I was recently asked by one of my very dear friends to contribute to a video about being a self-made millionaire and to share advice for those on their own journey to their first $1 million and beyond. Before I stand on my soapbox about the whole self-made thing, don't worry, that soapbox is coming, let me be real with you. The idea of being in a video with other millionaire women gave me massive imposter syndrome. I wondered if I was qualified, would people care what I have to say, is my financial success worthy since I have and continue to have financial support with my husband? Is my financial success worthy because it didn't come from a business? All of these things, all of these questions came up. Well, spoiler alert, I did the video and in this episode, I'm sharing with you the advice I was asked to give. I shared on Instagram that I was doing this video and there was, I got so many messages and people wanting to know more. So let me share with you the advice that I was asked to give. I was asked to share, how did I make my first million dollars? What do I think the secret to my success is? What advice would I give to someone else who wants to make a million dollars? And what's the most important money lesson I've learned so far? These are fantastic questions. And in the process of answering them, I realized there was a lot of really great content that really could be helpful for you. When I recorded for Rachel, I shared a lot of depth and details, actual numbers, insights, and information that I think is really helpful. In the end though, it didn't make it to the final edit of the video because there were three other amazing women also contributing. So between that and your messages on Instagram, that's why I'm doing this podcast episode. Because I know a lot of you also want to gain a solid financial foundation for yourself. And it's very helpful to learn from those who have come before us. Plus, we've done some things really well that I want to share and some things that we didn't. So maybe we'll save you some time, some headaches, some frustration, maybe some money, and help you do it quicker and easier. Oh, and about that imposter syndrome? I will share about that in a bit and about how my worst fear came true and I'm still standing here, so it's all good. If you want to know the answers to these questions from me, these four questions, how I made my first million, what I think the secret to my financial success is, the advice I give to others, and the most important money lesson so far, listen in. Also, quick disclaimer, I am not a financial advisor. Remember, this is not a replacement for professional financial or legal advice. I recommend that you do your own due diligence and work with professionals and experts that can support you and your own personalized situation. All right, this is a quicker, less structured, more off-the-cup episode. I'd love to know if you like this style, so send me a DM or an email, let me know. My intention in this episode is really that I inspire you to create wealth and financial freedom in your life on your terms, and perhaps you also create your first, fifth, or 50th million dollars. Welcome to the Golden Girls Podcast, where we believe you can have it all. I'm your host, Lisa Michaud, and I'm spilling tangible tips, goal-getting strategies, and real-life stories to inspire you to tackle your biggest dreams. You're a woman who knows you're made for more. Get ready to leave the excuses and self-doubt behind by being vulnerable, sharing your truth, and having honest conversations so you can succeed on your terms. Together, we'll set goals you'll actually achieve by staying motivated, having fun, and building a community of women empowering women. It's time to tap into your best self, get confident, and truly have it all. Golden Girl, let's dive in. Hey there, Golden Girl. If you're listening to this episode, I assume you probably know a little bit about who I am, but just in case you don't, my name is Lisa Michaud. 
And since today we're talking about money, I want you to know a little bit about what my business hats are. I wear two of them. On one hand, I'm a speaker, success coach, and the host of Golden Girls Podcast. I speak at events. I run a monthly coaching membership called Golden Girls Community. I have a planner and I run a mastermind as well. My other hat is my husband and I, we have our real estate investing business and together we own 67 and a half rental units across Canada and growing all the time. Literally growing all the time because when I first did the video for Rachel, it was 65 doors and now we're a little bit more because our joint venture partnership just got solidified. So anyways, before I talk all about the self-made millionaire advice, let me hop on a soapbox. Here we go. I want to talk about this whole idea of being self-made. I tend to reject that title. I believe that I'm actually community-made. I've had a lot of great bosses, mentors, some financial advisors and professionals who have guided me along the way. I've read a lot of books. I've listened to podcasts about money, taken courses about money, and I don't just mean my undergrad in accounting and finance. I've listened to experts over the years at conferences for literally, I've been going to leadership conferences and business type conferences for over 15 years. I've had a lot of support along the way from family, friends, teachers, helping me learn, make mistakes and helping me to get back up. So my journey is certainly not self-made by any stretch. I want to thank everyone that's been here on my journey and thank everyone who continues to be there for me. And I want to remind you that if you feel alone on this journey, to surround yourself with like-minded, brilliant people because nobody does this alone. If you feel like you're supposed to figure this out on your own, I'm going to tell you that's a myth and that's why I don't like the self-made title. There are so many amazing books, podcasts, hopefully like this episode, uh, networking groups, communities, conferences, experts, professionals that can help you in this process of really becoming a self-made, or here we go, it's so it's so ingrained in our culture, I said it again, of becoming a millionaire or becoming financially independent or financially free or whatever your goal is, financially stable. So I wanted to say that because I think that's important to acknowledge and just you know acknowledge the privilege that comes from that and gratitude that I have and to remind you to also make sure you have that community and that you are learning because none of us come out knowing how to do this money thing. We just don't. <laughs> I also want to acknowledge the fact that I do have a partner. My husband contributes over the years financially a lot and in our household. He's been the breadwinner um, and he has been in our entire relationship. The proportion of financial versus life support that each of us has contributed to our household and our relationship, that has definitely ebbed and flowed over the years and I'm sure it will continue to. But he's here contributing, I'm here contributing, and we do this together. Some people right here might write me off right there because I make less and I have a partner. And if that's you, that's okay. But I want to say that I I do recognize that it does make a lot of things way easier. I'm very grateful to him. And I also truly believe that if you're in a relationship, to be financially successful, you must have a shared financial vision and shared financial execution. And I think this is super, super, super important. So I want to, I don't want to diminish that because I think it's key. And maybe I'll do a whole episode on that one day. But it is true that it, For us, it's taken a partnership, and for us financially, that's what's helped us get there. And that being said, this is why I think it's so important to have a shared financial vision and execution on what you want financially, because it is totally possible for one person in a relationship to derail your financial progress through spending too much, or not being willing to invest, or not being willing to learn, or having a money mindset, or using money strategies that don't serve your vision. 
or perhaps being resistant to not doing the financial nitty-gritties that need to be done. So that's why I believe a partnership, like you both really need to be on the same page. And while I may not have earned as much, I believe that I contribute just as much to the vision and the execution of that. And so maybe that's something that you need to hear too. Um, so although I'm not the breadwinner and you have a partner, I do hope you keep listening because I am very involved in our financials in our household. And I always have been, I share a lot of the vision and inspiration and strategy. My husband does an amazing job of executing. (laughs) We both have knowledge and we truly do work as a team on our financial picture. And I, I think that's, that's a really big key. Um, so I hope that you hear that and that you can also work on that in your life, in your relationship, if you are in one, and if you are not, then it's 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 you and it is possible too. And I think that having the community there is going to be even more important. So that's my soapbox. I'll hop off it now. Let's keep going. All right, next thing I want to say uh, is that this, all the stuff I'm going to share, these were all parts of a contribution for a video for my dear friend, Rachel Harrison Sund. And Rachel put together a roundup of women who are all millionaires. I highly recommend watching this video. I've got it linked in the show notes. I watched it and I thought it was amazing because each woman's journey is very different. And I can honestly say that I learned a golden nugget from each one of them. Keep in mind as you listen to this episode, and I hope that you watch the video, again, link in the show notes, your journey to your first million or maybe your fifth or 20th, it's going to be yours. So what aligns and what resonates and and is going to be very personal and leave what doesn't work for you or what won't work for you. None of us will have the exact same story or journey as you. Sometimes I feel like we get very caught up, caught up in wanting to know exactly how someone did it. How, 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 what did you do? What steps did you take? And that can be helpful to understand some of the steps. But the flip side of that is that then we, if we look at it and think that our situation is different, sometimes I've noticed people get trapped in the idea that then they can't be successful because our, their, your situation might be different or you can't learn from someone because their, their situation was different or think that because we can't do it exactly like someone else did, it won't be possible for us. Don't let that kind of thinking take you down, my friend. Remember that every journey is unique and you may not have the same luck, the same timing, the same training, the same friend, the same bank account, the same financial advisor, the same job, the same bank account number, whatever it is as me or anyone else in the video or frankly, anyone else on the planet. But you do have your own advantages. You have the knowledge you have. You have your skills, your relationships, the luck that you don't even realize you have yet. You have your ability to see connections and friendships and community. Um, And if you can see this and be aware and grateful and use these, you can be successful and chart your own path too. So don't get too attached to any one person's journey. And of course, um, this is also a projection at the same time. Don't get too attached to your journey having to be the only way. I'm going to say that last bit one more time. Don't get too attached to your journey to become a millionaire. Need to look the exact same as somebody else's journey. And at the same time, don't get too attached that your journey to being a self-made millionaire or becoming a millionaire only has to come from one way. All right. So let's do this. Let me answer these questions for Rachel and for you. How did I make my first million dollars? I had to look back to figure this out because it's been a few years. One of the practices that I do and I highly recommend doing is keeping a net worth statement and updating it every six to 12 months, depending on what's going on. I've been doing this for about seven, eight years, and I was able to look back at previous statements. It looks like it was around 2015 when we had a net worth of just over $1 million. Obviously here, I'm going to share, I can't speak to what everyone does, 
But for us, the first million dollars was about the basics of financial planning and employing more traditional, aka totally boring, not sexy, not secret strategies, okay? So full disclosure, we did have high incomes and we deliberately lived somewhere and worked in industries where we could earn a high income. And then what we did is we saved a lot of money off of our salaries. I maxed out my company matching program and so did my husband. Then we maxed out all of our tax opportunities and the retirement savings. We're Canadian, so this was the RSPs and the tax-free savings account. We maxed these out every single year. We, we still do. Uh, I believe if you're in the the United States, I think it's your 401k, but don't quote me on that. Talk to, talk to a professional. The other thing we did is that uh, another way that we saved is that we paid down the principal on our mortgages aggressively. And I want to give you some numbers here so you can get a sense of what it looked like for us, not in like the fluff, like, oh yeah, we save money, but, but actual numbers. So when I look at my, our net worth statement from 2015, our net worth was just over a million dollars. At the time, our primary residence was worth about 850000 $850,000. There's some interesting numbers in here. At the time, our property was worth $850,000. We only owed, we only had a mortgage for about $530,000, which means that we had paid off almost $75,000 in principal every year for the four years we lived there. That's a lot. To get there, we had to save aggressively. We doubled our mortgage payments at the time. And every month, whenever we got, whenever we got bonuses, we had extra cash. We also put down more lump sums. Another interesting thing I want to point out from this is that if you if you look at those numbers, eight hundred fifty thousand minus five hundred thirty thousand of a mortgage, that means our equity was about three hundred twenty thousand dollars. That was three hundred twenty thousand dollars of our net worth was equity in our principal residence, our our, our house. So that was about thirty three percent. Give it about a third of our net worth was in our primary residence. I'll add one more thing in here. This is obviously a very traditional method. This is the pay down your mortgage approach that was lovingly passed down to us, both Troy and I, from our parents. Maybe you can relate to this too. Maybe you grew up with that advice as well. Now, it worked for us okay, um, but we certainly no longer prescribe to this, especially when interest rates in the last several years have been so low and much lower than the rates of return that we can achieve with our investments. Now, as interest rates are rising, it'll be really interesting to see how this shuffles and how our strategy might change. Uh, you may have heard, uh, if, if you listen to our episode about interest rates, that's a really great one too, um, about how we're changing our strategy, what we are changing, what we're not changing, uh, and what some other experts are doing. So I'll link that in the show notes. That's, that's a great episode. Go listen to that too. Okay, so back to back to the first million and tying together the real estate piece. On the journey to one million, we started with one rental property, and that was my husband's initial house that we converted into a rental when we bought a house together. Now, since then, our net worth has grown almost sixfold. So our net worth is growing a pretty substantial amount every year. What's really cool is once you get that that first million or even first hundred thousand, it's like a snowball. It really does snowball and grow and grow and grow. And I'll tell you this, our take-home salaries have been nowhere near this amount of money in the last, you know, six years. So this is where it's really, I think, very exciting. It's really fun to make your money work for you. Now, what has led to the success going from that kind of first million to the third and the fifth million and upwards, that is different. I think that this steep incline upwards that we've had is, it's been different things that have made us successful in that arena. It reminds me of the book title. I've never read the book, full disclosure, but what got you here won't get you there. And it's kind of this, like what got us to our first million wouldn't be what was going to get us beyond the first couple. 
But I really believe you need to have the foundation first. You need to have the ability to make money, to save money, to budget properly and manage that money, and then invest the money that you do have. So I'm going to say that again. You need to have the ability to make money, and sometimes that means bringing in more income. You need to have the ability to save money. You need to have the ability to budget and manage your money properly, and then you have to be able to invest the money you have because it's the only way it's going to grow. Today, if I talk about our financial strategy, we're much less focused on savings, and we're much more focused on leveraging and purchasing assets to create cash flow. We are very intentional about what we invest in, and we spend time paying attention to it. We, uh, I believe it was actually in around 2015 that we learned about the couch potato method of investing, and we started to invest in ETFs and put our portfolio in there. For the longest time, I just had, oh my gosh, it's embarrassing to say, GICs that would make me like $20 a year. Um, so we got really intentional about, okay, we have this, we have this money, we've been, quote, saving it, but we'd forgotten that last step, we, or maybe we never even learned about it, of investing that money. So couch potato method is what we do with our ETFs. Um, and then of course, now we invest really heavily in real estate. And to do that, we've had to redefine our relationship to debt. We now have way more debt than we ever did before, but we also leverage it to purchase more assets. So we've had to become a lot more comfortable with that. Another interesting number here, just to give you the... Uh, just some comparison. So we our initial $1 million, we had one rental property, one door, and now we have 67 and a half and, and counting. So that's how we made our first million dollars. Again, not very sexy, kind of boring, very traditional, but it got us there. And I do believe these fundamentals are super important. Now, we think the secret has been to my success. Honestly, I think a big part of it has been really open, open with ourselves, open about, with others, about our goal to be financially stable and eventually financially free. It takes a lot of courage to claim anything about money, truthfully, in this world because there's so many messages out there like money doesn't buy you happiness, money is the root of all evil, money is hard to make, money doesn't really matter, money isn't what's most important, all these things. Um, and, he, you know, okay, let me let me tell you this. Uh, before I record every podcast episode, I pull a Danielle Laporte truth bomb card. And this is really interesting because the card that I pulled says this, admit to what you feel greedy about and it will point to your most tender desire. I didn't know where this was going to fall in, but this is exactly the moment that I, I want to bring this home to you. So many of us think that having financial stability, financial freedom, being abundant with money is greedy. So many of our desires around money are considered greedy and we may feel uncomfortable with them within ourselves, uncomfortable sharing those with others, and then therefore uncomfortable chasing those and or taking action. And I love what Danielle reports this quote is that it points to your most tender desire and shows us that if you feel greedy about something, it is actually a very tender desire to nurture in you. So if that resonates for you, if that hits home, I'd love to hear from you. Please send me a message that clearly that card was, was, was meant to be pulled for this episode. Back to why I think this is a secret to my success and, and our success is I think we have been able to admit that, yeah, sometimes it does feel greedy to, to want to have money, to want to have more, especially in a world where not everybody has as much. And I believe that that is just a tender desire. And instead of shaming it, guilting it, and obviously not, you know, we're not trying to do evil things with money. We're not trying to buy happiness. We're not prioritizing money above all else. We're not doing terrible things to make money. When I remember that, and tenderly 
you know, take care of that. And I encourage you to do the same too. That's what allows us to take action. So because we've been open with ourselves, open with others, we've been able to be really intentional and um, just be really open about what we want to create. We are also very intentional about this. We have net worth statements, as I mentioned, we update once or twice a year to track, you know, are we on the right track? Uh, we check in on our investments, our stocks, bonds, ETFs. Uh, we do that about quarterly and make changes as needed. Uh, we learn about money. One of the best books, The Millionaire Teacher, go read it. It honestly changed our financial trajectory and it's quite simple. It's really good. Highly recommend it. I'm going to drop that in the show notes. Um, and we work on our mindset. Changing our relationship with debt was a really big one and without it, we would not be where we are. So that was that was huge. And there's some things we're not doing perfectly. Uh, we're not perfect at budgeting. <sighs> Sorry, Jessica, if you're listening, we're not good at, so good at that. Sorry, mom and dad. Sorry, Troy, for listening to that. Um, but those are the things that we do do well and I that's that's been enough to do that. And, and let me say this too. Also, being intentional about making our money work for us because otherwise we'd have to do a whole lot more work and it's just really about making life easier. And money, I believe, is there to serve us and support us in life and, and make things easier so that we can enjoy life. All right, what advice would I give to someone who wants a million dollars? This is not shocking coming from me, but I say treat it like a real goal. Write it down. Talk about it. Get accountability. Set habits for that goal. What, what does that look like? If you if you want to make a million dollars or want to have a million dollars, okay, what are the steps it's going to take to get there? What habits do you need? Do you need to take, put aside a few hours a week to work on a side hustle? Do you need to put aside a few hours a month to uh, look at your budget? Do you want to put aside a few hours a month to go through your house and sell items online? Are you going to um, grow your team and your business to be able to earn more income? What is it? What are the habits you're going to need to do? What are the mindsets you're going to do? Um, of course, I have my my 100-day goal planner. I would highly recommend going through that because it helps you set a goal and then actually work towards it. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be able to make a million dollars in 100 days, not at all, but it can really help to give you some, some foundation there and get you started. I think when it comes to having a million dollars, becoming a millionaire, you really need to learn about wealth. You need to make the time to learn about it at every stage. And there, there are those different stages, you know? Maybe you're at the phase where you need to earn more. Maybe you're at the phase where you need to, to budget and be really intentional with your spending. Maybe you need to be able to, to manage it better. Or maybe you need to be able to st- invest more strategically. So that's really important to know kind of what stage you're at, what's going to serve you best, um, and then learn and, and take action in, in that phase. I also would recommend considering working with a fee-only financial planner. That means that you pay them for advice. And I believe this is one of the best ways to get uh, unbiased advice. This is going to ruffle some feathers, um, but let the chips fall where they may. Uh, The truth is, so I have a double major in accounting and finance. And I will tell you that while I loved my degree, I loved my education, I have nothing but love for the institution that I learned at and my professors were amazing. I'm going to tell you, I learned basically nothing that actually helped me in terms of becoming a millionaire and eventually a multimillionaire in my degree. What I learned, and some of you that maybe have been to university or maybe are awake to this, will realize that most of the training that we take in school is to train us to be employees and to work. And my training in financial, and literally I have a double major in accounting and finance, taught me to be able to work at a bank. And I know that most of the people that are working at banks, again, great intentions, smart people, good people. I want to just like, I'm not throwing any shade at those people. Um, but the truth is that if they were anything like 
I would have been if I'd just gone from my degree into the banking industry. I wouldn't know any of these things or any of these real tools. Um, and the, the banking system is just not set up to help us become wealthy. The bank is there to make money and make profits. Oh, this is a big rant. I'm going to get myself in a little trouble there, but I just want to say, um, it's again, not to say that your financial planner at your bank cannot be helpful in some ways, but I would highly recommend a fee-only financial planner who can help you with anything from um, learning how to earn more to budgeting and looking at your full financial picture. And I just don't see our current financial banking system as serving people very well on this. And last thing I want to say, work on your mindset, take a course, work with a coach, um, listen to podcasts, really work on that. All right. Last question here. The bonus question, what was the most important money lesson that I learned so far? Here it is. There is a huge difference between looking like a millionaire and looking rich versus being truly wealthy. And I guess the definition of wealthy and or even rich, hey, that really could depend on very individual. But to me, being truly wealthy means that you no longer have to work to survive or even to thrive, that you have enough assets that pay you that your work is optional. And so for me, really wealth is about the time freedom the ability to, to do what I want, to, to create what I want, to spend time with people I want to, to travel as I want to, to, to do the things that I want to have in my life. And I think that most people, that's what we're looking for is we're looking for freedom. We're looking to be able to get out of a crappy job, to live where we want to live, to live life to the fullest, to not be stressed all the time, to, to not have to live paycheck to paycheck. So I think that it's probably a very personal definition for what I – it's how I see wealth and why I want wealth. But I believe that it's something that so many of us want. And I also think that everyone deserves to have that. Okay. So let me tell you, <laughs> there's a lesson here. There was a point in my life when I was 21 years old, I was in university, I had three Louis Vuitton purses. I drove two cars. I wore oh my gosh, what were they? True religion jeans, seven for all mankind jeans. If you know me from my university days, you might remember this. I like, These jeans were expensive. They were like three to $400 jeans. This was uh, 15 years ago. So I don't even know. Inflation would probably make those like $2,000 jeans. I don't even know. Um, so I had all these things, but I also had a ton of debt. But I looked really rich. I looked successful. I had a nice purse. I had nice things. But I wasn't getting anywhere closer. In fact, I was getting further away from any ability to ever not have to work all the time or to ever be able to retire or have any kind of financial stability. And so it took me hitting some rock bottom to me having too much debt, having creditors call me to really snap out of it and realize, okay, this this is not going to work. I'm only 21. I can't do this for a lot more years because I'm already maxed out. And I also was able to learn that I'm much more interested in wealth and both stability side of it and the freedom side. The freedom of time, of energy, of alignment, creativity, and and just what I do with my life. So now, uh, fast forward, I haven't bought a Louis Vuitton since 2012. So since we our net worth statement rolled over to the official $1 million, 
I've never again bought another luxury handbag or really like any other luxury item. Uh, I haven't bought any more jewelry. I My engagement ring and, and wedding ring is very special to me, but that is it. We haven't bought any more jewelry since then. The car that I own and drive is officially 20 years old now. It's a 2003, which actually might mean it might be 21 years old because I think they usually sell the 2003s and 2002, but anyway, you get the point. It's old. And our family only has one car. So if you look at all these things, um, I don't really look rich. And uh, the very, it's a very different way that I spend my money now than I did then. And we're wealthier than we've ever been. But you probably wouldn't know it. You, if you saw me, you wouldn't, I wouldn't look rich necessarily. We definitely splurge on some things. I will say that. I definitely don't live like I, – I have a good life. I'm very blessed. Um, we've, you know, lots of – there's some privilege there. There's some luck. There's some um, – in- definitely some intention and hard work that's gone in. We love to spend money on experiences. We love to spend money – I love to spend money on good food, travel, time with my daughter. Um, and I'm okay with that. So I just want to say, I guess, the lesson that I learned is to really define what you want money to do for you. What is it that's most important in money? If it is about appearances, I mean, then then go for it. Uh, but remember that there will be a time where that's not gonna that's not gonna work for you. And I would also the coach in me is like, oh, come here, let me hug you, let me let me help you understand why you care so much about what everyone else thinks. And believe me, I relate because I'm a overachieving, people pleasing perfectionist in recovery, so I get it. Um, I, I don't think that most of us really care that at the end of the day on our deathbed, we're not gonna care about what other people think. Am I right? So understand what it is that money really, what you want it to give to you and then focus your intention on there. And once I started doing that, once I started realizing that it's not about looking rich and that wealth can actually give me a lot more better things in life than a Louis Vuitton purse and it's true religion jeans, everything can be better. So this might not be the right choice for you, but whatever that is, I encourage you to get clear about how you want to feel, what does money give you and not just about what it looks like. All right, before I wrap up this episode, I want to take a minute and talk to you about imposter syndrome and be real. As I mentioned at the beginning, the idea of being in this video with other millionaire women panicked me. That's not like imposter syndrome panic. That, that's what went through my mind. And I wondered if I was qualified and what people would think and all these things. And as you know, I did the video and you should know that my worst fear came true. There are some people who dismissed my advice and, and other women in the video as well. They dismissed our advice because we have husbands. You gotta love the internet and random people's abilities to somehow find your insecurities and bring them out to the surface in plain letters in front of you. All joking aside, before this happened, and in order for me to do the video, I had to move through my imposter syndrome first so that when internet people find your insecurities, they no longer affect you. So what I had to do is really get clear on what my fears were when I felt that imposter syndrome coming up and I felt that panic of like, oh, can I? Am I worthy? All these things. I had to explore them. So let me pull back the curtain, share some of these fears with you and how I work through them because I believe it's really powerful to, to be open, to be vulnerable and to hear other people's fears and doubts and of course, how how to move through them. So I had to, I asked myself, you know, one of my fears was I'm misrepresenting myself. So I had to say, is this real? Am I really misrepresenting myself? No, I'm not. I'm not. All the numbers are authentic, genuine. Uh, real, it's the truth. I have to. Add, I was worried. Uh, is my advice irrelevant because my money didn't come from my business? And I had to ask that. And I have to say this: if this was a video, I was asked specifically to do a video on growing my business into seven figures, and I answered that question. Yes, that would be disingenuous. <laughs> but it's it wasn't. And the video is about 
becoming millionaires and sharing how we did it and what I learned in the process. So that was a fear I no longer had. I had this worry that maybe my advice is bad because I have a husband who has a good income and he's been on this journey with me and maybe people are going to think it's easier. And so I had to deconstruct that and acknowledge, yes, absolutely. I have had it easier than someone trying to do this all on their own. Absolutely. Um, And I also recognize that in order for us to become millionaires, for us to become millionaires, we have had to become a team. And we haven't hit it once, we've hit it multiple times. And I think, you know, we've done it both the conventional way and with getting really intentional about investing. And I've been right alongside there, guiding the vision, learning, understanding money. I'm right in there. So yeah, I don't, I believe in my advice and I stand by it. I also worried, are people going to think that I'm bragging? All right, well, here's the thing. I have no control over what everyone, anyone else thinks. Uh, spoiler alert, neither do you. We don't have any control, which which sucks. I get it. But what I had to ask myself then is, is turn that back on myself. Turn that projection of I'll be the fear of other people worrying that I'm bragging and ask myself, am I doing this to brag? And the answer is no. At the end of the day, I felt, and I still do, that it would serve us all if we could break down the barriers to talking about money. We all have money stories, and most of us have really negative stuff, negative crap, all wrapped up in our money talk. I recorded this video for Rachel and this podcast episode and all the ones that I've done before on money and all the ones still to come about money. I do it because I want to be the change that I want to see in the world. I wanted to share all this with you because I know I'm not the only one that struggles with imposter syndrome. I know you're not either. And that's a simple way that I work through it. I literally name the fears and the doubts and all the things that come up. And I go through them systematically and turn them back on myself and ask myself to turn into a question. Are they, is this a real concern? And how can I address it? If they're real, I, I do something about it. So for example, if Rachel had asked me to talk about scaling a business to seven figures, I would have been like, oh, thanks for asking me. I'll tell you when I get there. <laughs> Um, and if the insecurities, the doubts are not real, I then align back down, ground down to my own values and my vision for my life. And I come from the question, how do I want to leave the world a better place? And what does it look like for me to do that? So that's my invitation to you. If you're struggling with imposter syndrome, that's something you can do there too. All right, to watch this full video with all four amazing women, you can check out Rachel Harrison Sons YouTube channel. I've linked to it in the show notes. It's a great video. Like I said, I took away a golden nugget from each and every woman. All right. That's all for today. If you have a friend, if you have a colleague, if you have a friend from wine club, book club, money club, whatever you got going on, uh, I would love it if you could share this episode with them. I know that money is a really tough topic to talk about and maybe I can help you bridge that gap. Maybe what you can do is share this episode with a friend that you've maybe danced around the topic of money or someone you you already do feel comfortable talking with money about, and you can share this episode. And maybe the next time you hang out, you can ask what their thoughts were, what were their takeaways, or well, what do they disagree with or agree with, and and what lessons they have. Heck, you can even ask these questions to them. They don't have to be multimillionaires, but knowing what other people have done for, for their financial success can be interesting too. So feel free to use this episode, use um, and share this to help break down some of those barriers and make that transition, the awkward money talk and money conversations a little bit easier in your life. And of course, I so appreciate you sharing this because word of mouth really makes a difference with us growing this show. So thank you for sharing it with the people that you love in your life, the people you care about. Um, And thank you for coming along with me on this journey. Thank you for being the change and helping us to become more open about money, to talking about money. And hey, as Danielle Laporte says it, being for all of us 
to have the courage to be able to admit what we feel guilty about wanting so we can understand our most tender desires and treat them with love, with reverence, and some good old action to make our desires come true. I love you. Thanks for being here. And I can't wait to hear about your journey to your first or next million dollars. Thank you so much for listening. If something spoke to you, send me a message by sharing this episode and tagging me on social media. If you know someone who would love to hear this episode, please share it with them too. Because I love surprises, make sure you subscribe to the Golden Girls podcast today. It's the only way to find out about bonus surprise episodes and make sure you don't miss a single beat on your golden journey. Thanks again for listening and I will talk to you in the next episode of the Golden Girls podcast.